Hello, everybody, and welcome to That Wrestling Show, the podcast where all pro wrestling matters. I am your host, Bill Yankovi, and welcome to my big birthday bash. That's right, doing this show on my birthday. Why am I doing it on my birthday? Well, maybe I'm a little crazy. Who knows? But in reality, I wanted to do this for all of you, our listeners who've been, some of you have been with the show since the very beginning and others been joining lately and others have been around a long time so i felt let's do a big birthday celebration today so what a show this week gonna review aew's double or nothing plus going to preview not one but two events that are happening this weekend NXT's In Your House and the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. Um, of course, at the time of this recording, to the best of my knowledge, not all of the matches have been announced for Hell in a Cell. There may be one or two more matches, I'm, I'm guessing, that will be announced for Hell in a Cell, and we'll we'll find out tonight on SmackDown if that is true, or if the six matches that they announced are going to be the six matches that are going to happen. And of course, what would be interesting is if that is the case, all of them will be matches from Raw, or from the Raw brand. I, I, I know I talked about, oh, we don't do brands anymore, but you kind of still do. So let's dive into the news and let's begin with WWE announced earlier this week, speaking of WWE, that the next season of WWE and A&E Biography will be starting on July the 10th. And this is going to, I read more into this earlier today. Because not only are they doing the second season of Biography, but they're also going to do two new shows, which I'll mention momentarily. So, the first season of Biography, I actually enjoy, with the exception being the Randy Savage one, which was so disappointing, it really was. So, for the second season, which, and and I want to thank our friend Ernesto for posting the video of the announcement on our Facebook group. Um, The Undertaker was pretty much the big name. That was the big name announced for the second season of Biography. Other individuals that are going to get their own A&E Biography include Goldberg, the Bella Twins, Lex Luger, Edge, Kurt Angle, Rey Mysterio, D-Generation X, and a look at WrestleMania 1. Okay. I'm going to say this, and I'm going to try to not be so negative about it, but I think it's going to end up sounding negative. We kind of already did the biography of The Undertaker. It was that little thing called the last ride that appeared on the network like a year or two ago 
yeah, I, I don't know why we're doing another one of The Undertaker. I really don't know why. Um, I, really, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to really watch any of them. Maybe, maybe Kurt Angle. Maybe Rey Mysterio. Maybe Lex Luger. Those may be the only ones I want to watch. The others, I don't really have an interest. But, WrestleMania, um... That might be worth something. Watching. Might be worth something to watch. And the key word is might. Not really sure if I'm going to watch it or not. Then, they're going to have a new show at 10 o'clock called WWE Rivals. And this is going to be hosted by Freddie Prince Jr., which is kind of interesting since he's thinking of starting his own wrestling promotion. And this, this is going to be an hour-long uh roundtable panel discussing the different rivals in the history of WWE. So for this first season, what they have announced so far, Steve Austin and The Rock, Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels, Undertaker and Kane, John Cena and Edge, and the Monday Night Wars. I wonder how lopsided the views of the Monday Night Wars are going to be. And finally... Smack Talk, which is going to be a 30-minute show talking about everything from the biography and WWE rivals that you watch. Really? Do we really need that? Do we really need that type of a show? Oh, my goodness. But, yes, all three of those are going to start July the 10th. That's when it's all going to start July the 10th. Like I said, this one... I don't know. I, I'm not as interested or as excited as I was with the first season. Because the first one, you know, the biographies, was really, really good. It was really well done. And... I, I don't know. Maybe I'll watch it. Maybe I won't watch it. Eh, I guess it's just one of those wait and see what everybody else says. The Undertaker one, like, unless you are a super die-hard Undertaker fan, that one could be skipped. Just my honest opinion. Well, today was the end of the Best of the Super Juniors tournament, and in the end, Hiromu Takahashi wins the tournament for a third year in a row and four times in the last five years, beating El Desperado in the finals of the tournament to win it. Um, the previous record was three held by Koji Kanemoto, so Takahashi has now set the bar for the best of the Super Juniors winning Four and then just the fact you winning four is impressive, but to win four in in a five year period that is really impressive. Um, congratulations to Hiromu Takahashi 
winning the best of the Super Juniors. But that's not the only big news that came out of the best of the Super Juniors today. Sonata returned. Uh, he had been out with an orbital bone injury. And he made a challenge to, well, the current U.S. champion, Juice Robinson. But Juice did not compete today um, due to uh, health-related issues. So he did not compete. And their big show is coming up on June the 12th. going to be interesting to see if Juice is going to be able to compete on that show against Sonata. Maybe he will. Maybe he won't. That'll be, you know, remain to be seen. And the Bullet Club has a new member in Ace Austin, the current Impact X Division champion, joined the Bullet Club today on the final night. Um, and he he got in he got involved in a six man tag between Bullet Club and United Empire and helped Bullet Club win. And Ace Austin, now the newest member of Bullet Club, that group is getting bigger and bigger and bigger by the day. <clears throat> um, some unfortunate news to report. Um, Brian Pillman Jr.'s mother, Melanie, the widow of Brian Pillman, passed away earlier this week, and it was announced yesterday on social media by Brian Jr., um, it's a, it's a sad story because if you, if you didn't see Dark Side of the Ring with the Brian Pillman episode, um, after Brian Pillman had passed away, um, Melanie Pillman really was not the best person I'm not. I'm not gonna bash her, um, but she didn't treat the kids very well because she, she ended up marrying another guy, and um, it it just wasn't really good. But you know, uh, Brian Jr. had reconciled with his mother, and it looked like, um, according to Brian, that. Everything had worked out well between he and his sisters and Melanie Pillman. Um, and, you know, Melanie was really trying to get her life back together. And, you know, it's one of those things that sometimes your demons catch up to you at the end. Um, um, definitely our thoughts go out. To the entire Pillman family, um, you know, you can't really it, with something like that. You can't really say anything terrible, bad. It's you know, just something like something. It happens. Life happens. That's just how it is. And unfortunately, we gotta you know live on and. Um, at least Brian and Melanie were able to reconcile and 
try to you know you know they they patched things up before she passed away so at least there's that to think of excuse me on a bright side for Brian Jr. Our thoughts go out to the entire Pillman family. Uh, also want to mention that Cindy Lauper tweeted out that her mother Katrine uh, recently passed away. Uh, I'll read her tweet. It says, My beautiful mom has passed. She rocked and wrestled with us and was in a lot of my videos. It was an honor to work with her. I feel so lucky that I got to play with my mom throughout my life, both as a girl and as a woman. Um, Katrine was in the Girls Just Want to Have Fun video. She was in the Goonies video. The Goonies are good enough music video. She, she was basically in the, you know, when Cindy came out with the She's So Unusual album, which I think was like 84, any music video from that album, Cindy Lauper's mom was in the video. Um, girls just want to have fun, time after time. I want to say she was in the She-Bop video, but I really don't know. And, of course, the Goonies are good enough music video. Um, she was in that video as well. And we, you know, we, we do, as fans, give a lot of credit and a lot of thanks to Cindy Lauper and see how big of an influence and how big of a role she played, you know, with that golden era of wrestling. But, you know, she wouldn't have been there without her mom, Katrine. And Katrine was on the very first Saturday night's main event back in 1985. Um, she, she's on there at the end of the episode. If you've never seen it, please watch it. Uh, she does make an appearance on there. Um, but thoughts go out to Cindy Lauper and her entire family on the passing of her mom. Well, uh, NXT was the talk of the week in the world of wrestling for the right and the wrong reasons. As, well, MJF had a bit of controversy surrounding him the weekend of double or nothing i think everyone's heard the story but uh for those who haven't a, a brief synopsis there have been issues as of late between mjf and tony khan about you know mgf wanting to get more pay and how his contract runs out in two years and he could go to WWE in 2024 and he no-showed a fan fest over the weekend and there had been rumors that MJF had bought a ticket, an airplane ticket, back to Long Island. And there were thoughts that he's not going to be at the show, that he might not come back, but as we're going to find out in a little bit, 
he did man he did stay and he did perform a double or nothing and then um the promo wednesday night was so damn good um a lot of people are comparing it to cm punk's pipe bomb from 11 years earlier which i definitely get that vibe i i definitely get that feel of it um do I agree with MJF's, you know, like him skipping the fan fest and doing what he did? Not really. I, I'm kind of on the boat where it's like, it's almost like Sasha and Naomi where it's like, I understand what they did, not a big fan of what they did. And here with MJF, who I really respect. I think he's a hell of a talent. Didn't like what he did over the weekend. Apparently, a, a bunch of guys missed FanFest. Samoa Joe missed, the Hardys missed, but MJF is the big one because, well, he bought a plane ticket. He was going to leave. He was going to leave the biggest show of the year. Um, But they did... You know, he did stay and managed to do the show. But still, the way he handled it was kind of unprofessional, I think. And But again, we don't know what it's like. We could say our piece, we could say our opinion, but at the end of the day, you know, the only ones that truly know what's going on are the people involved. And that is MJF and Tony Khan. So let's talk about Double or Nothing from this past Sunday night. And this was quite a show. In fact, it was a very long show. Uh, and that's going to be that's gonna be my biggest complaint about this show is how long this show went. And I normally do not complain about that. But... When you have a show, and I understand, Double or Nothing, you can make the argument, it's the biggest show of the year for AEW. You can make that argument. But when you have a show that starts at 8, Eastern Time, and the show does not end till almost 20 of 1 in the morning, the, the only saving grace about it is that it, the next day was a holiday. If it had been like the next day was a regular Monday and people had to go to work, there would have been a lot more people pissed about how long this show went. Okay, so we did have a pre-show match, which was Tony Nese and Mark Sterling against Hookhausen, of Hook and Danhausen. Uh, this was just, you know what, this was a fun little match. Nothing, you know, nothing serious to take about it. Um, just a fun little warm-up to get the crowd going. Um, Dan Housen was in trouble for a little bit, but once he got the tag to Hook, you know, Hook was just completely dominating, and it ends up where he gives a big suplex to Mark Sterling and Danhausen wants the pin because Hook was probably going to go for the red rum but Danhausen you know wanted the tag he got the tag put his foot on top of Sterling and got the 3 count in the win um I gave it a D I didn't hate the match but 
you know, it, it served its purpose. And it was just, you know, a warm-up match for what we were going to get. So I gave it a D. Meltzer gave it two stars. That's, a, that's about the right way. Okay, so now we go to the main pay-per-view, and we start with MJF against Wardlow. If Wardlow wins, he is free from MJF's contract, and he becomes a member of AEW. If MJF wins, Wardlow basically cannot ever get a contract from AEW. This was basically Wardlow destroys MJF. And at one point, MJF fakes a knee injury, tries to get the diamond ring, but everyone sees it, including the ref and Wardlow. And um, Wardlow hits five power bombs in a row, which could have just ended it. He goes for the cover, but lifts MJF up, and then he gives him five more power bombs, and goes to ten. Uh, Wardlow wins, and basically wins his freedom. So I gave this... What did I give this? I gave it a C. Meltzer gave it three stars. And you know what? This was a good opening match. It, it kind of served the purpose of it is the end. It is over. Uh, Wardlow has his freedom. And he's going to do what he's going to do. And he's going to be on his way to bigger and better so then we have the tag match, the Young Bucks and the Hardys. This was a fun match. Um, at one point, Brandon Cutler got chance, which ticked off one of the Young Bucks, which was kind of interesting. Um, I don't know if there was something with this match where maybe there was more to be expected out of this match. I, I I wasn't sure. You know, they did the best they could. Matt, or Jeff Hardy is just so beat up right now. Um, I, I was amazed he did the match. Just a good match here. Jeff hits a swanton onto one of the Bucks who's laying on the steel steps. And then um, twist of fate, swanton combo uh, gets the win. And Je after the bell rings, Jeff goes into the crowd and just starts celebrating with the people. A good match. Um, probably not the best match between the Bucks and the Hardys, but, they but they've had good matches. And this one was a good match. I didn't mind it. I gave it a B. Meltzer gave it four stars. Then we go to the TBS Championship match. Anna Jay challenging Jade Cargill. This, th this was the worst match of the night. This was a bad match. And I don't know why. Because when they had the match in, uh, on Rampage in D.C. earlier this year, it was a good match. And I was thinking, okay, they could have a good match again. But for some reason, it this one, you know, they, they just looked sloppy at times. Um, but what I liked about it was the fact that Anna Jay 
was actually able to fight off the outside interference, meaning the baddies. And it was like she had everything planned for every move that Jade Cargill had set up. Like, the baddies come to try to help, and Anna Jay beats them up. Mark Sterling comes to try to, you know, get involved. And John Silver comes, you know, to, to stop. And then you get to the end, where they're on the second rope, top rope, and here comes Stokely Hathaway, which got a nice surprise of a pop. And that's what catches Anna Jay. Jade uh, catches Anna and hits Jaded to get the victory. And then after the match, Chris Statlander comes down to help Anna Jay. And then we get the debuting Athena, formerly Ember Moon, to even the sides and the heels leave. Uh, this was just not a good match. It just wasn't. I gave it a D minus. Meltzer gave it one and three quarter stars. Then we go to the six man tag team match the House of Black against Death Triangle. Holy cow, if this match, if, if there was, there were so many great matches, this was for a while. The match of the night. It was so damn good. Just everybody, you know, countering off one another, doing everything they can, getting the near falls, doing the dives, hitting the moves. Just everything was working out so well. It was a tremendous match. And then the end, Pac, you know, he's going to do uh, the Black Arrow. And then the lights go out. And then, when the lights come on, here's Julia Hart, and she sprays mist into the face of Pac, blinds him, and Malachi Black knocks out Pac to get the three count and the win, and Julia Hart now joins the House of Black, which got a really big pop. A wonderful match, and a beautifully executed ending Really enjoyed it. I gave it an A minus. Meltzer gave this four and a half stars. Um, so now we go to the first of the two Owen Hart finals, the men's finals. Samoa Joe and Adam Cole. This was a good match. Um, both guys were working on you know body parts. Bobby Fish. Got involved towards the end. Um, Adam Cole ends up hitting the boom, the the running knee, uh, to knock out Joe. And they, you know, Adam, not they, he, Adam, got the three count and won the tournament. Um, it was kind of like a lackluster finish, but... You know, it was just a it was a good match overall. I, I gave this a B. Meltzer gave it three and a half stars. Then we go to the women's final of the Owen Hart Cup, Britt Baker and Ruby Soho. And to be honest, I thought this was the better of the two finals. Between the two, 
I thought this was the best match of the respective finals of the Owen Hart tournament. Just a very good match. Told a very good story. It was back and forth. Ruby tried, and that's the key word, tried to lock in the sharpshooter. Just couldn't do it. I don't know if it was she was selling the ribs or she couldn't really do the sharpshooter. Um, and then I liked the ending. Ruby was going for a pin, but Britt was able to reverse it. No cheating whatsoever. Gets the three count. Britt wins the tournament. Just a very good way to end it. Um... I gave this a B. I thought, it, like I said, I thought it was the better of the two finals. Um, but Britt Baker getting the win. I gave it a B. Meltzer gave it three and a half stars. And then I got to say, Martha Hart looked the happiest I think we as fans have seen her in 20 plus years. She looked like she... She was having the time of her life. Um, had a had a smile on her face. They let her talk, and she asked fans to wear a hat next year at the finals of the Owen tournament. But you know, like if you looked, if you watched Martha's face, she looked so happy. She just looked. So freaking happy, and, and I'm ha and I'm proud of her. I'm happy for her that she was happy to be there. This wasn't some BS gimmick of we'll do the tournament. And I I read that apparently Tony Khan paid to get the additional hour to let Martha Hart give her speech at the end of the tournament which I thought was a very nice gesture on the part of Tony Khan. And I know Tony Khan gets ripped time to time for his overreactions of stuff, and, and I get that. But at the end of the day, look at what he's done to help people. And this is a perfect example of what Tony Khan has done to help people as a whole. Um, but no, I, I loved what we got, and I think this is going to be an annual thing, and I hope we get to see Martha Hart every year. Um, then we had the mixed six-person tag match. Scorpio Sky, Ethan Page, Page Van Zant against Sammy Guevara, Frankie Kazarian, and Ty Conti. The stipulation to the match is if American Top Team wins, then Guevara and Kazarian cannot get a title shot at the TNT title as long as Scorpio Sky is the champion. Um, uh, this, I don't know how to describe this match because, you know, you're coming off the two finals, you're coming off the speech. It's one of those, because the, the thing here is this is Paige's debut. This is Paige Van Zant's in-ring debut. And she did get in the ring. She looked good, but I feel like the story was more of the dysfunction between Kazarian, Guevara, and Conti. 
And you kind of see that in the end because that's what costs them the match. Because Kazarian and Conti have an argument. Guevara goes for a super kick, accidentally hits Conti. Um, and Kazarian, like, I think Kazarian was kind of just, at points he was like, screw you guys, I don't want to be a part of this. Another part of him was like, oh, I got to help the team win. But in the end, Sky, Ethan Page, and Paige Van Zant got the win. I gave this a D plus. Meltzer gave it two and a quarter stars. Then we go to Kyle O'Reilly against Darby Allen. This was such a fun match to watch. And everyone was like, oh, if this had been on Dynamite, this would have gotten huge rave. So, this was such a good match to watch. This was maybe the most overlooked match of the night in how good of a delivery this match was. And, you know, it really wasn't a long match. I'm looking at it, it was like ten and a half minutes. But it was still a good match between O'Reilly and Allen. Good back and forth. O'Reilly was going for a body part. Allen basically was just fighting for Sting's honor. Sting, you know, the storyline, Sting was not at the show. Um, O'Reilly wins clean. And... Which was a little, not really a surprise, because O'Reilly's such a damn good wrestler. He really is. And honestly, I would love to see more of Kyle O'Reilly and Darby Allen in the near future. I would love to see these two have a match again. I gave this a B-. Uh, Meltzer gave this three and a half stars. Now, this is where the pay-per-view gets really, really good. Because the next match is the AEW women's title match. Serena Deeb challenging Thunder Rosa. My God, what a wrestling match this was. Keyword, wrestling. No shenanigans. It was these two women who went out there and had a wrestling match. A very good match. This might be the best women's match all year. Um, it was just so good from beginning to end. They went stride for stride, move for move, hold for hold. They just were on fire. And these fans were eating it up. It was a tremendous match. Thunder Rosa uh, hit a top rope superplex and then the fire Thunder Driver to get the win to retain the title. Really loved this match. I gave it an A-. Meltzer gave it four and a quarter stars. Then we go to, as uh, the ring announcer said, the shit's about to hit the fan. Justin Roberts said, the shit's about to hit the fan because it was... Anarchy in the arena, the Jericho Appreciation Society against John Moxley, Brian Danielson, Eddie Kingston, Santana, and Ortiz. This was absolutely amazing, this match. First off, they play Moxley's theme consecutively. And 
I like how a lot of people are like, oh, this was kind of like New Jack and the Gangsters, which a very good comparison. Because, you know, they come out, the song's playing, they start the fight. The song keeps playing, and it loops back to the beginning. So this song is still going. Crowd's losing it. Commentators are losing it. It's absolutely fantastic. You have, you basically, everybody went everywhere. Like, they went up the concourse. They went through the crowd. They went in the concession stand. At one point, Eddie Kingston and Daniel Garcia went into an elevator. It was so amazing how well done this was. This was absolutely amazing. And then, when you get a couple guys in the ring, they're taking the ring apart. They're taking the freaking ring apart. And then... You know, because you got Moxley and Danielson in the ring, you got Hager and Jericho in the ring, and Danielson's got the LaBelle lock on, and Moxley has the Bulldog lock on, and it's like, okay, they're going to, you know, they, they might get the win. Here comes Eddie Kingston, bloodied, battered, blood on his shirt has a can of gasoline in his hands. And it's like, oh my God, this can't get any crazier than it already is. So Jericho has the LaBelle lock. No, Brian has the LaBelle lock on Jericho. Kingston pours gasoline onto Jericho. And Danielson is like, what the hell are you doing? And it's like, you know, because Danielson, he has emotion. He's like, what are you trying to do? You're trying to kill the man. And Kingston doesn't give a crap because Jericho burned his face. So he's trying to get him back, pour gasoline on him. He's going to burn the SOB on fire. And then Jericho takes advantage of Danielson and Kingston arguing. And then, you know, Kingston gets knocked out. And then you got a double submission on Danielson. Danielson never taps out. He passes out. He never gave up. The ref calls for the bell. Jericho Appreciation Society win a crazy match. Um, Could be a match of the year candidate, honestly. That's how good this was. Um, And guess what? It's getting my highest grade. It's getting an A+. And Meltzer gave it five stars, the highest rating that you could get unless you're in Japan. Thus, you could get six, seven stars. But no, this was absolutely a fun match. Um, this was really just craziness galore. If you were looking for a fight, you got the fight. So... In between that, and I do want to mention this, there was a video package of uh, Andrade, and basically he wants a, you know a new partner in his group, someone to help run his business, and this is where we get Roosh. Roosh is now in AEW. I think that's going to be a good fit there. So how do we recover from that craziness? Well, we have a three-way match for the AEW tag team titles, and it's like, oh my god. How in the world can you how can you keep the crowd after this match? Well, 
credit where credit is due, these six guys had the crowd going. This was a tremendous match. A tremendous match. Um, everybody looked good. Everybody looked real good in this match. You had everything go the way it was supposed to go. The big guys fighting the big guys. The, the smaller guys fighting each other. You had all these great moves. You had near falls. And you're like, oh my gosh, we're going to get new champs. But we don't. It's just a really a fun match. After you had a violent match, you have a really fun match. And Jurassic Express are able to retain the tag titles after hitting the Thoracic Express to get the belt or to retain the belts. I gave this an A minus. Meltzer gave it four and a half stars. Then we go to the main event of this show, AEW World Championship, Adam Page defending against CM Punk. This was a good match, um, but after, you know, I'm, I'm going to say this, and it's not Punk's fault, it's not Page's fault, it's nobody's fault, but after you've had Three really good matches in a back to back to back. I don't know how you're able to top them. I really don't know. And they did the best they could. Both men did the best they could with what they tried to do. And it was a good match. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying it was a bad match. I thought it was a good match. Good back and forth. Um,. I loved the ending because the referee gets knocked down and Adam Page sees the belt because there was a point in the match where I guess Page had the belt, they were outside, the referee grabs the belt, he puts it in the corner. Page sees the belt and he's going to hit Punk with it, but Hangman's contemplating. He's contemplating hitting Punk with the belt. And he decides not to hit him with the belt. So then Hangman goes for the buckshot lariat. Punk ducks. Hits the GTS. One, two, three. CM Punk wins the AEW world title. Becomes the fifth holder of the belt. A good main event. It was a good main event. It's just the only problem it had was... It had to follow three really good matches. And, and again, it's not their fault. I enjoyed the match. It was a good match. But also, you know, this was at the time where I'm, like, the, the time is really getting to my body. Like, I'm feeling the effects of this show by this point, which rarely happens. I gave this a B plus. Like I said, really good match. Um... Meltzer gave it four and a half stars. Um, pretty positive, you know what? And, and you know what? I I even give Punk a pass on the botched buckshot lariat attempts because that does look like a really hard move to hit. Um, but no, it was a good main event, and we got a new champion, and we're gonna see where everything goes from there. Now to our Facebook poll. 
What did everybody think of Double or Nothing 2022? Well, the majority of our votes gave this a B. Um, then we had some people give it a C, and we had one person give it an A. And I, and I do have a couple of comments I want to read um, from our poll. Ed, who has been a guest on our show before, said, I would give it an A if the mixed trios match didn't suck. Okay, fair point. It was the one match that held one person from giving it a higher grade. Uh, Jason, who many times has been a guest on this show, uh, wrote, I gave it a C+. The length really hurt it. They should have saved Jade and Anna, both six-man tags, and Darby and Kyle for Dynamite this week. Shaves over an hour off the show and keeps the main card to eight matches. Um... The, the time, the length of the show is not going to go into what the final grade, my final grade of the show is. But yeah, that did hurt. That, that length, like, how in the world, you know, like, if it was, here's the thing. If it was a WrestleMania, I'd get it. I really would get it. If this was a WrestleMania or a Wrestle Kingdom, Yes, I, I'd get the four-plus-hour time. While this is AEW's biggest show of the year, it's not up to that level yet, I think, of a WrestleMania or a Wrestle Kingdom. And one thing that I give Tony Khan a lot of credit for is he will learn from his mistakes and he probably realized after long after the show okay that was too long i probably might not want to do that again or at least for a while so i'm going to give this a b all in all it was a very good show um for me it was the TBS title match that kind of was like, oh man, that kind of hurt the grade of the show. But overall, still, it was a good show. Um, I I think Revolution might actually have been the better of the two pay-per-views so far this year, but remains to be seen. Okay, as far as their favorite match from the show, the majority of the people went with Anarchy in the Arena, followed by a couple votes for the House of Black and Death Triangle, which really was a good match. And Punk and Adam Page got a vote. Uh, Jason wrote Punk and Page. Eddie wrote House of Black versus Death Triangle and Anarchy were the only matches that were worth a damn. There you go. Uh, I'm going to give my vote to Anarchy in the Arena as well. That was a tremendous, tremendous match. Um, all in all, it was a good show. Um, not the pay-per-view of the year. Um, I, I, I think right now, you know, if you were giving out awards, which we're not, but I'd say Revolution was the best pay-per-view so far this year, but... WrestleMania Backlash was really good, too, so we've got a long way to go. We've got a long way to go, but fun show nonetheless.
Well, speaking of shows, we have two events this weekend, both WWE. Uh, let's preview them. Going to start off with NXT in your house. Their card is set. They have six matches. All their championships are on the line at this NXT event. And we're going to go in reverse order. We're going to go from the bottom all the way to the top. Going to start with Legado del Fantasma against Tony D'Angelo, Channing Stax Lorenzo, and Troy Two, Dime, Two Dimes Donovan. The stipulation for the match is the losing team has to join the winning team's group. Okay. Um, I'm... For the interest of storyline purpose, I'm going to go with D'Angelo's team. It would be interesting to see how Legato Del Fantasma do working for Tony D'Angelo and his group. Uh, NXT Women's Tag Team Titles on the line. Toxic Attraction, Gigi Dolan and JC Jane defend against Katana Chance and Caden Carter. Um, I don't know. This one kind of just seems out of the blue. So I'm going to say Dolan and Jane retain the tag titles on this one. NXT Tag Team Titles are on the line. Pretty Deadly, Kit Wilson, and Elton Prince defend against the Creed Brothers, Brutus and Julius. The stipulation to this match is if the Creed Brothers lose, they are out of the Diamond, the Diamond Dojo, the Diamond Mine, whatever you want to call it. You know, the, when I saw the Creeds, WrestleMania weekend. I was really impressed by them. And there's potential for that team to be really good. Um, But do you put the belts on them? That's the thing. Uh, I'm going to say no. You don't put the belts on them. I think you keep them on the current champs. I think Pretty Deadly are going to retain the tag titles. NXT North American title on the line. Cameron Grimes against Carmelo Hayes. This should be a good match. Um, this is the one where I actually... I, I think this is the one that has the best chance to me of a title changing hands. I think we're going to see Carmelo Hayes win back the North American title. He will beat Cameron Grimes. NXT Women's Title, Mandy Rose defends against Wendy Chu. Uh, this is an interesting kind of match here. Uh, I, I think they're going to stay with, with Mandy on this one. I think they're going to keep the belt on her. Um, even though Wendy is a very you know over gimmick there in NXT, I think Mandy Rose is going to keep the belt. And the main event for this show, Braun Breaker defends the NXT title against Joe Gacy. There is a stipulation to this match. Boy, every, like half the show has stipulations. 
So the stipulation to this match is if Braun Breaker gets disqualified, he loses the NXT title. So if Braun Breaker gets disqualified, he loses the NXT title. Um, I'm going to say Braun keeps the belt. I, I, I just don't see Joe Gacy right now being in a position of winning the NXT title. I think it's going to be Braun retaining the title. So I'm going to say Braun keeps the NXT title. So we go from being in your house to entering hell in a cell. And of course, like I said at the beginning of the show, this might not be the complete card as there's still SmackDown happening tonight, but we're just going to go with the matches that have been announced for the pay-per-view. Uh, going to start off with Austin Theory defending the United States title against Mustafa Ali. Um, I don't know. I, I kind of have not been the biggest fan of this angle. Um, I think Ali is going to win the match, but I think he's going to win by disqualification to where Austin Theory retains the title. Like, he'll lose the match, but he'll keep the belt. So I'm going to say Ali wins, but he'll win by disqualification. Six-person tag match, Finn Balor, AJ Styles, and Liv Morgan against The Judgment Day, Damian Priest, Edge, and Rhea Ripley. Um, I'm going to go with The Judgment Day on this one. Uh, there's just something about this where I think Judgment Day is going to win this match. Ezekiel will face Kevin Owens one-on-one. -on -one. Could be an entertaining match. I'm going to say Ezekiel wins the match. Then we have a two-on-one handicap match. Bobby Lashley being the one against Omos and MVP. Uh, this is more than likely going to be the end of the feud. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say Bobby Lashley wins this match. It'll be the end of the rivalry for both Lashley and Omos. Triple threat match for the Raw Women's title. Bianca Belair defending against Asuka and Becky Lynch. We all know this wasn't the originally planned match, but we're going with it anyway. Uh, Bianca Belair will retain the title, I really think, and Asuka will be the one that takes the pin. I can't see Becky taking two pin or losing two falls in a row to Bianca Belair. And finally, in what probably might be the only Hell in a Cell match for a pay-per-view named Hell in a Cell, uh, Cody Rhodes against Seth Rollins. This is the third match between the two. This one is inside Hell in a Cell. I, I, I think Seth is going to win. I, I feel Seth has to win this match. Like, you can't let him lose three in a row. To Cody, I, I just can't see that happening. Um, Seth will finally get his win. He will beat Cody inside Hell in a Cell. And of course, if any other matches get announced uh, on SmackDown, well, they'll just get announced. 
We'll just go as that. That is going to do it for the show this week. Going to go into the plugs. If you guys have any questions or comments, send an email. Wrestlingman at thatwrestlingshow.com. Don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at WrestlingShow11. Join us on Instagram. It is That Wrestling Show. That's all you have to type to follow us. You're right there. Um, don't forget to join our Facebook group, That Wrestling Show fan group is the name i'm sorry is the name of the group uh check that out join us uh a lot of fun there uh real quick a couple of quick plugs check out sharks pond a south park podcast where i watch and review each and every south park episode this week i review the season 15 episode a history channel thanksgiving that is this week on Shark's Pond, a South Park podcast, plus a brand new episode of Bill Learns Kingdom Hearts. We're getting closer and closer to our mid-season finale, which is only a few weeks away. So uh, you might want to join us if you haven't. And if you have, check us out this Sunday. Also, check out the DK and Bill Wrestling podcast, where this week... DK and I, we discussed The Ultimate Warrior from 1988 to 1992. Oh boy, fun times with The Ultimate Warrior. And brand new podcast, The History and Legacy of Sports, the podcast with myself, DK, and Bezer Hawk. Excuse me. Our premiere episode, we... Talk about the 1991-92 Chicago Bulls and how they may be the best of the first three-peat teams. So, next time around, going to review Hell in a Cell. Might review In Your House as well. Not really sure how I'm going to feel about doing that, but either way, it will be done. Uh, thank you all for tuning in. Thank you all for being a part, uh, even if it's a small part, a big part, it doesn't matter. Thank you for being a part of my birthday. Uh, hopefully it'll be a wonderful year for me. And I hope you guys enjoyed another episode of That Wrestling Show, the podcast where all pro wrestling matters. And until next time, wrestle on and happy birthday to me.